I think there's some judgment sometimes around people leaning into joy during difficult times instead of sitting in, in the difficultness. Hey, I'll tell you, I, I would love to to take my day to go sledding or watch a movie instead of doing my normal day to day. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hello to our lovely audience of The Mortuary Show. This week we have a little bit of a different special guest. Her name is Tara Lynn. She is one of the founders of a beautiful new organization called The Foundling Daughters. And she helps out with fam or individuals that have lost their mother during a very difficult time, during usually their teenage years before they're kind of going through becoming an actual woman. So uh, it's it's very applicable to us as funeral directors and how we kind of associate with individuals going through challenging times with family situations and dynamics during arrangements. And um, she has a lot of great ideas for us as funeral directors, how we can apply her work to what we do. And if you want to just tell us a little bit about what you have going, Terilyn, and how kind of your project um, came to be. Totally. Um, first of all, hi, thanks for having me on the show. I'm super excited. Of course. Um, of course we're honored. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I am one half of Foundling Daughters. My collaborator is Evangeline Stott, um, and this is our, our brainchild together. So uh, mm-hmm. our work is for those of us who lost our mothers while on the brink of womanhood. Um, so for, for Evangeline and I, we both lost our mothers. Uh, I was 17. She was 19. Both after a, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, But after a long battle with breast cancer, uh, we we both lost our moms as kind of late teenagers, um, very, very early adulthood experiences. And that has just been such a crucial experience, such a defining experience in the rest of our lives, because it is so unique. Um, I would say that if you're a daughter and you've lost your mom, between the ages of like 16 to maybe 24, you know, you're really on this brink of this transition from girl into woman and to lose your mom at that, at that, that very specific time, obviously it's hard to lose anybody at any time, yeah. but um, I wouldn't say it's harder to lose your mom at that time, but it's definitely different. Um, sure. But our work though is for like, you know, even if you don't identify as a daughter or a woman, even if you lost your mom later in life, but it still felt uh, like, like you were on the brink of, of a transition, right. like, you know, our, our work is for anybody that it resonates with, but that's where sure. we come from. Yeah. And that's, it, it is such a hard, hard time to go through such a substantial loss in your life. And as a funeral director, I know we have to deal with families that have that situation, you know, frequently, um, multiple, multiple times a year. And it is so hard to know what to say because obviously these people are going to want to be involved in the funeral arrangements, but they don't necessarily have kind of the the sort of the power or the sway that you normally would like as a full grown adult. So it is like a very difficult time and you're going through some big changes, whether you're going to college or you're going to start working or whatever that might be. It is such a hard time. So tell us like how you dealt with it and went through that whole thing. And, um, you know, maybe that'll help some other families or some other people that are going through it to see how you were able to cope with that and um, what recommendations you would have to us helping other families that are in the same situation. 
Totally. Yeah. It was such an odd experience for me because I was 17 and very much felt like an adult, very much felt like I knew who I was and was moving throughout the world as an independent person. Um, You know, I hadn't, I'm not close with my dad and we hadn't had contact for several years. So Uh, it was really like me and my grandparents. Um, It really felt like, like, you know, becoming an actual orphan. And so, um, so I felt very independent. I felt very ready in a way to take that role on because my mom had been battling cancer for five years. So it wasn't, you know, something like a car accident. It wasn't sudden. I had, I'd really grieved for quite a long time and in a lot of ways, I think was, was quite prepared. Um, but at the end of the day, I was 17. I was a child. I, um, didn't have an understanding of the finances that go into funeral planning or like the logistics of it. And I was like with my grandparents and with my family. And I remember being a part of certain decisions but, you know, I, I also was just like disassociated for, for the sure. entire time. I'm you sure. Know, I, I can't remember all of it, but it was just this weird in-between of, you know, I could give my input, but I wasn't the final decision maker. But like, right. it was my mom. Like, I felt like the most affected. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely strange. It does make for such a hard time because you want to be actively kind of in there, but you don't, like I said before, you don't kind of have that sway. What are some things that you would recommend, um, you know, funeral directors make arrangements? What are some things that you can kind of give as responsibilities to maybe people around this age time frame um, that will help them to feel more involved? Do you have any kind of recommendations for that? Yeah, um, I think what would have been really nice would have been if somebody pulled me aside and was like, here is a list of five things that you can own if you want them. Like here are the decisions that, that, you know, we trust you to make. It's your mom. You know, do you want to pick out the music or how the programs are designed or who's speaking? Or um, I remember I did have a say in like which casket we bought. Um, But then I also look back and I'm like frustrated because I don't, I remember realizing later like I don't know how the finances played into that and like if I like picked a really expensive one I'm like why did I do that I was <laughs> looking at the design like you know I think the more information and the more empowerment to be like you know we can do this or this but this is the financial impact and this is the logistical impact and like trusting that teenagers can wrap their head around that they're not they're yeah. not idiots. They're not children. They're just not full adults yet. And so exactly. giving them like as much information as possible and giving them agency and defining like, you know, where they can be the decision maker um, yeah. would have been really nice. We did that to an extent. Um, but I do remember feeling a little bit like I was being dragged along for mm-hmm. the ride and, you know, things weren't going exactly how I wanted them to but I also didn't feel empowered to like raise my hand. Um, I think right. it would be nice if somebody else came in and like, you know, explicitly said, do you want option A or option B? Um, yeah. yeah. I think a little responsibility goes a long way. It shows that, you know, whoever it is, your family or the funeral home wants you to be involved in this situation because it is impacting you. So giving them that little sense of responsibility makes them feel like, Hey, this is, I'm a part of this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say too, like, and I don't know if this is a funeral director's role, you know, I don't, I don't know whose responsibility right. this is, but there was a big element for me of like coordinating with my school, like telling them that I wasn't going to be mm-hmm. there. And then like, I took a longer leave and then I didn't take my finals. I ended up dropping a class for my last semester because yeah. I didn't need it. But I remember all of those like little things adding up and not knowing who to ask for help um, in my school and my family. Like everybody was wonderful. Everybody did the best that they could. We were just unprepared to divvy up the mom responsibilities once mom wasn't right. there anymore. Yeah, that is, that, that's gotta be crazy. It's little things that you don't think about. Mm-hmm. And we do talk about stuff like that as funeral directors all the time. There is a laundry list of items that each family has to go through when they go through a loss. And a lot of them they don't even think about. Right. And so we'd like to give some recommendations, like little things, for example, make sure you're locking your doors when you go on the funeral service. Or we always say, make sure you get a, try to get a full night's sleep and eat something yeah. because people forget to do that stuff when they're going through such a hard time. And if you just get that little reminder from a professional, you're like, oh, you're right. Like I need to do those things. Mm-hmm. And I think anything like that is helpful. Now I haven't been in a situation where I've had help you know, a young person kind of go through and say, Hey, you got to contact your school or things like that. But it's stuff like that, that maybe your organization can kind of assemble together and say, Hey, these are the things that you need to do in order to, to kind of come out of it on the other end and be okay as much as you could be. Yeah. And that's my hope. Um, because ultimately foundling daughters, we are kind of a two part thing on one end. We are, um, creating art together. So I'm primarily a poet and Evangeline is primarily a collage and visual artist. So we're creating content together, processing our own grief and kind of reflecting on the grief process of losing our mom. But then we're also a community and we want to be a resource and we want to be a place that people can turn to for advice and for um, guidance during these difficult times. Both right like you know during the funeral right after the death and then years beyond at this point my mom's been gone for over a decade and it still affects my life pretty much every day so it doesn't go away and again losing your mom in such a specific time is going to impact you differently so we want to be this kind of continued support system and this community that people can come back to for the rest of their lives um Just, just providing that support and also just providing a place to be seen where you can say, you know, this is how I'm dealing with my grief or this is the thing that haunts me the most and have a community of people around you go, yep, yep, I see you. That makes sense. Gotcha. And I, I think it's it's a great idea because it's such a specific thing and the niche thing that I don't think gets addressed enough. I think mm-hmm. it's more so very, very young families or um, kind of helping maybe the spouses left behind, but those like teenage years that are very Mm -hmm. kind of influential for the rest of your life, it will be great to have a community of people that are there for them and together. So what are some of the things that you see your organization doing specifically to kind of help and create that community and where, where do you see it going? Yeah. So, um, We right now are focused on a few things. On one end, we are making some zines this summer 
that uh, are hopefully going to provide a sense of that sense of community as in reading about an experience that you can resonate with uh -huh. because it feels so often it feels like I'm alone in the world with this experience. Yeah. And as soon as you open yourself up to talking about it more, mm -hmm. you hear, oh, I also lost my mom. I was 16. Oh, I lost my mom. I was 23. Oh, I just lost my mom. I'm 30, but man, it sucks. And like, yeah. so we, we just want to, for the most part, just talk about it right. because that has been such a journey for me being able to talk about it because starting right away, starting at the time of the funeral, people don't know what to say. People don't oh. want to ask you questions about them. They don't want to do anything that's going to potentially upset you, which is fair and kind hearted. But I would say that probably the most upsetting part about losing my mom so young was the silence that came after and was the Gosh. unwillingness from others to dig into that topic with me. And yeah. to just ask me little questions, or if I brought my mom up, it like the room would get really quiet, um, and yeah. pe people would like other people would get sad, which is fair. But um, right. so just like having it be part of the conversation right off the bat, that is such an important theme yeah. for me. And in terms of how funeral directors and funeral homes and and people right at that moment of you know death and and passing, like never never steering clear from it as if their name is a is a dirty word as if it's like it's right. like a bold thing it's like they should, who should not be named like you know leaning yes. right into it and and asking like okay so this is your mom's funeral like what was her favorite song you know yep. like mm -hmm. nobody asked me that they said yep. okay well what what hymns should we play and it's like no like right. let's talk about her let's write her eulogy let's let's yep. talk about the happy stuff too right away because yes. otherwise it becomes this this taboo topic that mm -hmm. just sinks into your soul and makes you isolate yourself and make you not able to like fully even process what's going on yeah, you said a lot of things that I love and a lot of things that I try to do and I know a lot of other funeral homes try to do too is um, specifically talk about the individual because like you said, Terilyn, people are nervous about the situation or they feel awkward or maybe they would get sad approaching that subject. But most of us that have gone through challenging losses, like myself, I went through a challenging loss earlier this year with mm -hmm. a cousin that was very close to me. I want to keep his memory alive. And I'm sure that's what you kind of believe. And I know a lot of other people are like that too. It's like, it's okay to talk about the individual and like keep them with you. And in your, that, that's how you like kind of still are able to live through the person rather than avoiding the whole subject, keep it alive. And it's the same thing with picking out different services at the funeral home. It's like, let's actually get down to the, the deep roots of who they were as a person so we can make our service more personalized to the family and then it creates that beautiful memory and um I, I love i do love what you're saying is trying to push that taboo thing to the side about people not wanting to talk and i think those times are hopefully changing despite it being like a horrible situation it might be helpful for someone to be able to talk about their mom or their dad or whoever they're going whoever they've lost to try to cope with those feelings rather than kind of having this kind of dark 
wall in front of you. It's right. like no one wants to approach you. And I can totally see like how that would be a thing because people don't know what to say. What would you recommend, you know, someone saying to someone in that situation, or would you just say like, try to talk about them as a person? Yeah, it's so hard because so much of the Foundling Daughters work for me has been so specifically about being very far removed from the death. You know, it's been a really long time for me. And right now I'm trying to put myself in my 17 year old shoes and think about what I would have wanted. And ultimately, you know this, everyone knows this, it's so individual. Grief is so specific to the person and some people maybe won't want to talk about it. Some people might not feel the same way that I'm describing. And I think that the most, like the the biggest piece of advice I could give is to show up authentically and to center the other person's experience, not your own, and to ask questions. I think as simple as asking, would you like to be distracted right now? Or would you like to dig in and talk about it? That question alone just, yeah, just be upfront because that person, a person grieving is so jumbled up, is so confused. They might not even be able to answer that question, right. but to be, to be asked is so important. And I think actually, I think like the level two to that is not only asking questions, but, but asking either or questions or yes or no questions, not how can I help you? Or how do you feel? These are open-ended questions that and I they, feel like no one's like, gonna answer. Yeah. No one's gonna answer. It's like, oh, I don't need help, I'm okay. But it's hey, I'd like to help you. Can I bring you dinner or can I clean your house for you? Yeah. Option. Which one do you want? <laughs> Which one do you want? Hey, um, bringing it back to like a teenager, like, like, ha- like, can I bring you a snack or can I help you call your school and coordinate tomorrow? Yeah. You know, like even just like, would you like to talk right now or watch a movie? Not what do you want to do? You know, I think just giving those concrete options, especially for a teenager where their brain is just developing. They don't know what they don't know what's going on in a normal day because they're like in this extreme situation, giving those guys like giving guidelines to operate within while also giving full autonomy. Like yep. giving choices and then letting that person make a choice versus just saying, well, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. People aren't going to come to you like that. Like the, even if your intentions are good and they know they're good, that right. there's just such an overwhelming, an overwhelming feeling to that of like reaching out for help or not right. knowing what to ask for. Like, yeah. So that's my biggest piece of advice, giving concrete options in the form of genuine questions and then treating that person like with the respect and and letting them have autonomy over the decisions they make. Very good. Because I think there's this barricade that people don't want to break. It's like, I know, like you said, Terlin, their, their intentions are very good, but you're never going to go out of your way and say like, I would love for you to make me dinner. Like no way, no one's ever going to. No, no. So it's, it's so much better. And it applies to us in funeral service too. It's like, okay, would you like this or this? Or do you want us to do this or this for you? Or would you like to talk about this? Or would you like to talk Mm -hmm. about that? Would you like to not at all? And it's more about being upfront, open and honest communication that it is challenging to do in this circumstance because it is such a hard thing. But if you're able to 
kind of breakthrough and say, hey, this is the way we can do things and just are kind of upfront, open and honest the way you're talking. It makes a huge difference in the family. It makes a huge difference in, you know, a son or a daughter, whoever is Mm -hmm. going through that loss. It's like, it makes it just a little bit less thought provoking maybe, or maybe the opposite way. And they're like, I do want to open up. I do want to talk. So it makes it about them. And that's what Mm -hmm. it is all about. It's like, we're trying to do things that is best for someone that's going through the worst time in their life. Right. Right. And I think knowing too, that people grieve so differently, like, and again, this is maybe more of the family's responsibility than the funeral directors. But like, if, if the person who's grieving, the child grieving wants to go watch a movie or wants to go like, like, I remember I went sledding with my friends, like (laughs) shortly after my mom died. And like, I mean, they were wonderful about it. It was just very, it felt very normal, but like, I remember feeling some pressure of like, should I be having fun yet? Like, am I allowed to like keep living my life yet? And so having a lot of generosity towards people grieving the way that they need to grieve. And sometimes that looks like having a lot of fun or like playing upbeat music or being surrounded by their friends and not wearing, wearing black and, you know, being somber, like, you know, that's, that has its time and place. But I think there's some judgment sometimes around people leaning into joy during difficult times instead of sitting in, in the difficultness. Hey, I'll tell you, I, I would love to to take my day to go sledding or watch a movie instead of doing my normal day to day. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, it, it is it is very true that um, there is a time and a place for kind of that somber mentality. And funeral directors kind of get looped into that thing, thinking that they're all like this, this black suit, like somber, like straight face, as you can see by me or any, like a lot of other funeral directors, I am not like that at all. And I think that's a good thing. And I think you would, you would see that in a lot of other funeral directors are not like that. And the family makes it so much more normal. Like, Oh, this person like genuinely cares about my interests and what I am doing and what I want. And that's what it's all about. Like you said, there is a time and a place where we need to be kind of stoic. You need to be that that rock for a family. But at the same time, you also need to be kind of flowy and able to help them in whatever circumstance they're dealing with. So um, I do I do like that. And it very much applies to who we are. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right. I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, all the few homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home. And I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. Tell us a little bit about um, the artwork aspect that you're trying to incorporate, um, you know, with everything you're doing too. Yeah, so that's actually how Foundling Daughters started is that Evangeline and I met on Instagram uh, through this collaborative art project and we ended up falling into this routine where she would collage, uh, make a collage and I would write a poem. 
and we call these pieces dialogue pieces. And so what we ended up doing is we created this list of like 60 prompts about our mothers and our experience with grief. And so some of them are super heavy, like, you know, what, what are the things left unsaid or like what, you know, what, what was the greatest lesson your mother taught you about love or, you know, things lofty or serious things. Yeah. And then some are like, what made your mom laugh? Or what did she smell like? Or um, what, like, what, what are, what dreams are you carrying out for her? That's maybe kind of in the middle of, of something fun um, and, and also quite serious, but sure. we take one of these prompts and we have a dialogue about it between us and we talk about our own experiences and we talk about um, similarities that we see in our stories and differences and we, we right. share. And it's so fun because we've never been asked these questions by anybody before. Sure. Nobody has ever asked me, what is your mom? What did your mom smell like? Yeah. You know, but when I think about it, I, I can tell you and it and it brings a smile to my face. I get to sit in the memory. So we have these beautiful discussions and, and then we we go to into our art and i typically write she typically uh collages and then we come back together and then these these two pieces of art sit in dialogue with each other as well um wow. and it's interesting it's, yeah and it's been such an experience for us to delve into our own grief like this because not only do we get to use creative tools to perhaps fill in the spaces where words are never enough um or you know just just having a regular conversation is never enough like no. the poetry and the collage you get to lean into this more full expansion this more full experience yeah. yeah um and then also just the the ability to kind of find safety in the art and say well i i can't really i i can't really explain to you what my mom smelled like but i can show you maybe, or I can show myself and, and have that kind of safety in um, an artistic expression versus like making a speech about it, you know, or saying anything too concrete or um, maybe getting to a place of vulner vulnerability that you're not ready for yet in yeah. conversation. So that that's something that we just found with us worked so well to process our grief, you know, five right. to 10 years after our, our moms died. And that's part of the work that we want to bring to others and show them yeah. this process. And, you know, whether or not you're an artist or not, or you feel artistically inclined at all, or you've never picked up a paintbrush, no matter where you're coming from, we want to show folks how to use those creative tools to sure. come back to grief. And a lot, I, I'm very curious how it would work with somebody who's, who's much more recently grieving. Um, right. I'm curious how I would have responded to this work, you know, the year after my mom died, because yeah. it's so different. But I think no matter where you are in your grief journey, leaning into these creative tools just exposes your experience in such a new way. Um, so we're really excited to, you know, hopefully be leading workshops in the Chicagoland area soon, um, cool. you know, creating, creating groups of people and just sharing that process because it's been so helpful for us and we want to gift it to others that might benefit. Absolutely. And I think everyone processes their emotions differently. And like, that's very helpful for a lot of people. And to loop this kind of back into funeral homes, I think that's something that 
when you get down the road of this program and you kind of have it systematized, we would benefit a lot by saying like, hey, we know you've been through this loss. We know of a, an organization that is very helpful in this circumstance mm-hmm. and you could kind of get directed to to you guys and say, hey, this is this is something that you might want to try out that could help you go through this process and it helped me. So I think that's something like down the road, like if you get there, that would be a fantastic thing that you could work with, with funeral homes to, to kind of help more people. Yeah, I have a question. Like sure. if, if I'm going through your funeral home, if somebody I love passes away, mm-hmm. you know, we, we get through the funeral and then you might say, okay, you know, here's, here's, here are the resources for, for the next few weeks or whatever. Yeah. Do you have anything in place of like, okay, and then in six months, I'm going to get something in the mail from you. And then in a year, I'm going to get something in the mail from you. Like, is there any continued contact or is that not standard at all? I say for the vast majority of funeral homes, that is not a common practice. But actually, uh, this is something that my brother and I are working on with our marketing company, Mortuary Marketing, is a constant contact program. So after a family goes through the service at the funeral home, we don't want that to be the end of the relationship between the funeral home and the family. So what we do is we create this email automation program for each funeral home individually that just keeps in touch yeah. with the family. It shows you that you care about them. It gives them you know, reminders of their loved one or it gives them helpful tips for going through this whole process. And I think it's something that all yeah. funeral homes could really benefit from and just families in general could really use to keep their loved one in their mind and just to get through the process and show that you know, we aren't just here for the one week that you're having a funeral service. So that's something that, you know, we've been working really hard on. And Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to be going to be very helpful for funeral homes down the road. Yeah. I mean, I'm even thinking about, you know, even if you just take the the next year, like there are so many opportunities to be like, okay, and you can automate all of this. Right. But like, right. There are birthdays coming up. They get an email around that person's birthday. They get an email um, I mean, God, like when taxes are due, you have to file their taxes like yeah. for one more time, like, Hey, here's a resource on how to, how to deal with the taxes of this. And then, yeah. okay. First anniversary is coming up. Like here are some extra resources now that we're a year out of this. Um, yeah. Like, I don't like my I brother mean, and even... I, we created this, uh, we call it, we call it a, a post funeral guide and yeah. it has a lot of things like that. Like, Hey, just so you know, you have to, like you said, file your taxes or this is what you do with social security or this is what you do with, you know, their insurance policies, blah, blah, blah. It's a huge thing because there are so many things that you have to do. Um, And I know that families like really appreciate, it's literally like a booklet, like a book. It's Mm -hmm. so long because there's so many things, but um, there are things like that out there that resources that help families. And I know um, that's something that we're trying to implement more and more uh, in the near future too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, again, I'm not the right person to create this resource, but for teenagers who are losing a parent around when I did, like even the college admissions process, like my financial aid process got so screwy because I'm sure like I was like, yes, I have this life insurance money, but it's not my money. But like, you know, just like crazy things that we just don't consider. Um, 
And for kids, oh, I feel like, you know, if a, like a little kid loses a parent, in a lot of ways, it's simpler. And when you're a full-blown adult, you lose a parent, you know, your your yeah. day-to-day maybe isn't changed. And it's really this sweet spot of, you know, it's being lots. a teenager at a very early 20s that, you know, it's, it's just a whirlwind of different things. And um, it's such a shame that those resources don't exist. But I think that step one is even just talking about it because yep. nobody was talking to me about it when it was happening for me. Um, um, it, it, I felt, I felt like the only 17 year old to ever lose their mom. Truly. Like yeah. I didn't feel like I had any, any supporter community and that's what I want to yeah. avoid moving forward. Yeah. And I think you're a great person to do it. You, you have a kind soul and you can, you can definitely sense that. And, um, you know, we appreciate you kind of taking the time to, to dive into like this hard thing that you, you had to go through and sharing that with us and then sharing it with all the other people out there that are going through the same thing. And I think you can really make a difference in those people because as funeral directors, we know we see it often. Like I, like I said to you before, I think I see it once or twice a month at least where, you know, you have a family that comes in and they have their kids that are in between the ages of 15 and 25 or yeah. something. And, it's really just a, a, a rough time. So um, it's it's definitely something that we should continue to consider as funeral directors, how we kind of deal with these families. It is different every time, but there are some kind of common places that we can kind of use to, to our advantage in helping those. And we really do appreciate you taking the time to share with those. And um, we wish you all the best and, and everything with uh, the founding daughters. And I, and I, you know, I hope that we can do something down the road where you know, funeral homes can kind of help you and we can work with each other to, to kind of better all of our services. Absolutely. And, you know, thank you for the work that you're doing here because I'm, I truly feel able to talk about this um, because I have so much practice talking about death and because I have been leaning into having these conversations. And there was a time when, you know, I I would tear up even thinking about my mom or about death in general. Um, so thank you for like normalizing, just having conversations, conversations centered around death and grieving and funerals and, um, it's just important work. And I would love to work with you in the future, um, for you and anybody else out there. Foundling Daughters is on Instagram, um, right now just at Foundling Daughters, um, F-O-U-N-D-L-I-N-G Daughters. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can find, find us there. We will probably have a website up here soon, but Instagram is where awesome. find us right now. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. We wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much.